Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. This is episode 312. We are recording this on the 20th of July, live at 8.30 Pacific Standard Time. You can join us on the um, and watch it live on the WP Tonic Facebook page and leave some comments. I love your comments. Um, always read them. And then I, then I pull the arrows out of my back afterwards. Um, we've got a great panel. Um, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a fantastic discussion. We've got a special uh, guest, Spencer Forum, joining us. Would you like to quickly introduce yourself, Spencer, to the audience and viewers? Sure. Uh, Spencer Foreman from WPLaunchify.com. I've been in the WordPress space for almost since the beginning, but lately we teach people how to use marketing automation for WordPress, connecting their favorite CRM to WordPress with WP Fusion and making some pretty cool stuff happen for themselves or their clients. Certainly do. And we've got Sally on This Week in Cats. Would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Certainly. uh, I'm Sally Getch. My business is WP Fangirl. My cat uh, likes to video bomb any conversation I have. Uh, And... It's getting big, isn't it? Is uh, it? It's the it's the angle. She's closer to the camera. Oh right, uh, <laughs> uh, sure it's the angle. Sure. Yes, no. The, the cats are each about ten pounds. They're not big cats. Um, uh, are you sure? It looks like a fat cat to me. Oh, she's not underweight, but but uh, 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 but they're they're not round. Did, did appreciate that comment, did she? she did. <laughs> oh, she doesn't care. You can you can trash talk her as much as you want, as long as you keep petting her. I'm not going there. Ah, right, Morton. Ah, right, Morton. Could you introduce yourself, please? Hello, I'm Morton. I'm a senior staff instructor with LinkedIn Learning, and I have a lot of opinions about things. Yeah, which you shared with me last week, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> yes, there we go. Ah, right, John, would you like to um, introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Sure thing. My name is John Locke. And I help manufacturing and industrial companies with SEO. That's great. Let's go straight into the stories, folks. Um, so number one um, is iThemes Sync Pro. Oh, no, no, it's not iSync Pro. What the hell am I talking about? iThemes enters the hosting space. This is on the tavern. Um, go on, Spencer. Got any views about um, iThemes entering the hosting space? Well, I've always been a big fan of Corey Miller and everything that they do, and I think it's a natural progression. In fact, it's kind of odd that it's taken so long because, from my experience, hosting has really become a commodity item. In fact, I don't think anybody would be making a logical choice to try to promote the difference between my hosting and somebody else's. It's just, it's like text messaging circa 1999 was a saleable item. Now it's, you know, it's just part of what you get when you have a cell phone. So I think it's just a natural way for them to kind of give a better end-to-end user experience. Makes a lot of sense. Oh, you just increased your volume, thank God. You I put the, I, I, my snowball had the USB upside down, sorry. Oh, right there. Ah. 
There we go. Oh, I've right. had my snowball <laughs> upside down. Uh, Rob, there we go. Wait, wait. How is that an explanation? I want to point something out, and I think Spencer would agree. Spencer is no idiot, but he's, he's kind of logic. He's going to be a bit different to your... This, ironically, it actually goes in two different ways, apparently, upside down. I didn't know it was possible, but I just... Uh-huh. Okay. So, so what he means is it was not actually connected. It was unconnected, yes, exactly. Yeah. You can tell he's got legal a legal background, can't you? Uh, I'm there. <laughs> right, there uh, you know, I, I was raised by lawyers. It's a <laughs> You can tell though, can't you? He's just got a way of explaining it, hasn't he? Uh, I'm there. <laughs> uh, all right. Any thoughts about this, Morton? Uh This feels like another part of the uh, WordPress uh commercial space consolidation conversation we've been having for the past several weeks. Um, I was talking to someone the other day and I was saying that the only people who currently make money in WordPress are hosting companies and large agencies. Uh, And what we're seeing is basically that, like everyone gets eaten by agencies or hosting companies because they're the, like when I say make money, I mean like make significant money so that it's actual like really viable business long-term. I think. This, this is going to happen more and more. We're just going to see more and more of these successful WordPress companies being eaten by large players who want a bigger slice of the cake because they realize rather than sharing their plugins with everyone and having to get every single person to buy the product, you can just you know link up to a hosting company or share the plugin for free and then you have a set base uh, and you have tighter control. I mean, what he was talking about in that interview with how... They would need to, they would ship plugins and then they would have to support the plugins on a million different platforms. And the, they would run into all sorts of idiosyncrasies on each individual platform and have to then support each individual platform solution. If you can just get rid of that problem and say, no, you want to use our product, you go on this platform, everything works. Of course, that's, that makes sense. And that's what's going to happen. Yeah. What do you think, John? Yeah. I, I like this. Uh, idea of having another option for kind of lower price hosting, which is what this appears to be positioned as. I I like the things that Corey Miller and his team have done uh, in the past. I'm a little surprised, I got to be honest, that this, the the brand name iThemes is going toward, you know, this $15 and $25 hosting because I thought their brand name has a little bit more value than that. Um, but that might have been part of the plan when they got acquired by iThemes in the first place. Uh, one, yeah, one thing that I find, and I'm not sure if this is like being piggybacked on top of, of Liquid Web's infrastructure or not. One thing that I'm uh, a little bit curious about too is I know a lot of the hosting companies, they are integrated with uh, that blog vault plugin or a variation of it where you can easily migrate a site to their hosting. But this one, this hosting is using Backup Buddy. So that might be part of the price too. I'm not really sure how that works in the, you know, in the backstage. Uh, but yeah, I think this is a good move. I think it, uh, you know, I, I'm happy for Corey and Lindsay and their team. I got to be honest, so. I always like what they do. So yeah, they seem 
decent people. Um, Sally, yep. what, any thoughts? Uh, well, I, I think it's kind of interesting that, uh, you know, they got acquired by a hosting company. Uh, but the hosting, you know, the, and the hosting company has mostly pushed its sort of uh, upper tier, we are optimized for WooCommerce and, and membership sites and people who need speed when you're logged in. Uh, and, and apparently decided that, well, if we're pushing that as the differentiator for Liquid Web, we don't want to do sort of more general, lower priced stuff. And so we're going to leave that under the, you know, under the iThemes brand. Um, and, uh, but I, I, I have to say that even though, you know, I, I uh, have used iThemes products for, for a long time, but, you know, I, I, there was nothing that made me interested in jumping into the hosting. Uh, I, I imagine some people will, uh, will think of it differently that, you know, for what you're being offered, particularly, I think, you know, you get to sort of a higher, higher traffic option for the price than in some places. I think it will be a good choice for, for some people. I, I don't think it would be bad hosting. Um, I, but uh, it, it still, uh, it, it was still interesting to, to me that sort of this was coming under this brand um, when I figured they were going to be focusing, iThemes was going to be focusing more on their, you know, WooCommerce analytics and that sort of stuff. And that this was part of the uh, part of the deal with the uh, specialized liquid web services. So, you know, as with everything else, I I guess we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I think it's a good play in some ways because at the present moment, if you're looking, the only people that I would recommend below the $20 mark um, is SiteGround at the present moment, you know, that you get any kind of support or their state of um, hosting. Um, you know, you get what you pay for to some extent, but they're the only people that I feel comfortable in that kind of price range. And I wasn't that surprised because actually I was using Sync for a long time, but for the past six weeks we've been moving over to Man WP because I suspected that they were going to do this. Mm. So I've kind of, we've moved all um, our clients over to Man WP. And that's what I've been using from now on, or will be using from now on. And I, I do use Security Pro, and we will stick in that. Um, and we see how things go. Right, on to the next story. On to the next one. On to the next one. Amid the 20th century of open source, Tim O'Reilly warns that the platform companies built on open source software have lost their way. That's a kind of long title, isn't it? But he's always got something interesting to say, Tim. So, uh, Moulton, what did you think of this one? Yeah, sounds about right. (laughs) 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 Although that title doesn't really describe it properly. No, it's it's not at all what I was expecting. It's a terrible title. It is. It's absolutely shocking, isn't it? Spencer talk- could write something better than that. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't think the title matches what he says in the article at all. No. Uh, I, don't think, I think it was somebody that never read it. Just, just said, write the title. There yeah, someone who was very enamored by like, oh, he made a quote. 
that wasn't from a white man. Therefore, I must mention this. Shocking <laughs> how you go to a conference and hear someone quote Sun Tzu, the most quoted Eastern Lao-Zi. philosopher in the world. If you lost a it's from the Didaojing what he uh, quoted. Yeah. So uh, what what uh, what what's stood out to me in the article and maybe what they should have had the title as is he's talking about how monetization of content has ruined everything, which seems to be something we've been talking about a lot. Uh, that So, yeah, there, Tim O'Reilly is not huh. the champion of open source that he's being described as. Like, none of this makes any sense, but the gist of what I got out of it was exactly that, that we moved into a space where we have all these closed platforms that kind of control the internet, and then they have these open platforms that are starting to sh- that are dominated by companies who try to just make money off them, and there is no collaboration on the actual open web. It's the same stuff we've been talking about for a long time. I'm curious to hear what other people have to think about this. Yes, what do you reckon, Spencer? I had a good experience before WordPress came about with battling it out in the Silicon Valley. Uh, we're going to try to own all of the users for free, freemium thing. And you guys can dig around in the archives for that stuff. But the whole point back then is it's the same story. I agree with what Rand is saying. It's that you may start with something that's open source, but if you're still playing it out, like we're going to try to get as many users as possible consolidated into our platform, and then we're going to lock them in. I mean, that that's like, the old newsreel going over and over again. I think it's interesting because I don't see that at all with WordPress. In fact, 99% of what I tell people today is that SaaS is incredibly awesome. WordPress plugins are awesome. But building an open source solution for yourself or your clients on WordPress is the one thing you can do for yourself to assure that you're never locked in anybody else's mm-hmm. gilded cage. And yet, it seems like there's right now dozens and dozens of CRMs competing and dozens and dozens of SaaS services competing all to try to get the users. And the simple reason is logical. It's because there's hundreds of millions of venture dollars at stake to try to get as many users as possible. And though they're not as stupid as they were in, let's say, 2005 to think the freemium will work, they are trying to lure everybody in. And by the way, that's just sort of like indicative of the Corey Miller iThemes story. There's no value to hosting anymore because I can put clients on a Google Cloud server for two, three bucks my cost a month, so I'm not going to charge them for it. But if I'm offering a whole slew of other services, it's easier for me not to have to deal with their shenanigans of this little server, that little server, just to kind of make it a sales bundle. And, you know, Liquid Web, of course, is they're in that business, so they're like, we'll pay the money, you bring in your stuff, and we'll just bundle it all together. People still respond a little to it. But the thing that's so odd about the story, honestly, is that it's like they took the title and said the opposite thing because Facebook mm. is not an open source platform and what nefarious things that does has nothing to do with WordPress. I mean, it was, it's like they missed the plot. So. Yeah, their headquarters is in Moscow, actually, Facebook. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, before I asked Sally or um, John about this, I, I thought a key, a key phrase that really um, struck me was... Um, extraction capitalism. I think that's the term he used in one of the Senate. And it kind of really kind of summed it up, extraction capitalism. There you go, John. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I get the criticism of proprietary things like Google and Facebook. I, I think tech in general is 
uh, kind of losing the plot. And, and extraction capitalism or predatory capitalism is is a good way to describe not only that, but uh, just the larger system at work. Because you can, that's why it's so important, like Morton has said in the past, to have a set of ethical guidelines to uh, make decisions by because when you don't and you're a publicly held company uh, or if you're an open source project with a venture funded uh, public you know company behind it, then your decisions are going to be swayed by the shareholders first and everything else second. So, okay. what do you reckon, Sally? Uh, <clears throat> number one, is there a non predatory? capitalism out there that somewhere yeah. that, that, that I haven't noticed but uh, n- number number two actually the, the the first thing that struck me looking at this you, you know it says you know open source platforms have lost their way and and the thing that kind of came into my mind was you know wordpress.com because it is a business built on an open source platform and I look at the article and they're talking about you know Facebook and Amazon and I'm like what did ever work? Well, I'm just like, okay, are those companies built on open source? You know, I suppose is just to, to some degree. I, I, you know, I know Facebook uses some open source tools and releases some open source tools, but that that was completely not what I was thinking about. And um, yes, the certain, you know, the attempt to kind of consolidate everybody into your walled garden and have a monopoly on everything is is not good and is you know contrary to uh you know the the uh, idea of you know free flowing sharing of of information that, uh, that was certainly prevalent when I first encountered the internet partly because I was an academic at the time and you know sharing knowledge goes with that along with the vow of poverty and you know certain other things um uh, 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 so you know that's true, and and yet it seems like that was kind of a, uh, a, a kind of a link bait uh, <laughs> title that, that, that addressed the you know that while it addressed an, a genuine issue, uh, I'm not sure this was the uh, you know that 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 was what the article was was really about. I don't know what that article was about. Maybe, it, 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 think about this. Every single person who was deeply involved in the founding of the original web. So we have Vince Cerf, uh, Tim Berners-Lee, uh, Jaron Lanier, uh, uh, Tim O'Reilly, like all these people who were influential in the beginning. Every single one of them is now doing conference talks about how the entire thing is broken and we need to fix it. How money has ruined everything, how this ideology of like open sharing and everything has been consumed by capitalism, and how they basically regret building a platform that destroyed the world. Every single person who was involved in the founding of the web, who was involved in the founding of web standards, who was involving in, involved with anything that has to do with the technologies we use today, all say the exact same thing. And meanwhile, we're talking about, oh, it's great that like all these companies are being eaten by other companies and power is consolidating in these huge, massive multinational things because then they can contribute back to open source. I mean, there's something rotten in the entire system and everyone who started it have realized it. And one of the rotten things is when this stuff was built, they did not consider the possibility that someone would come in and hijack it for money. Mm-hmm. And that's the key like right. when we build, and right, the internet forward, was built by idealists, uh, and and even though there have been people using it to 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 do destructive things from the beginning, 
uh, there was a you know there was a certain naivety about that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it ties well into that story we're going to talk about later about um, trolling. So. Yeah, oh, totally. yeah, it's a really strange article in two minds, but um, then I came across this um, extraction um, comment, and I thought that's not bad. But it's a, it's whoever wrote this, they kind of threw the kitchen sink in, you know, <laughs> they kind of had you a bit of a Zen comment, and then um, blockchain. We had a, every article like yeah, this has to mention blockchain. I love it? that part when he goes, the art, the writer goes, you know, this is a huge problem, but blockchain can fix it. Like. What? But they all do. Well, it's, I mean, you know, I've heard a lot of discussions about blockchain in reference to fake news and things, and it's kind of like, well, you can use it to authenticate the source of something, which is great if people care about checking that. Yeah. And part and, of the problem with the way, uh, you know, rumors uh, spread is that um, people don't care about checking its accuracy if it's, you know, juicy and matches what they already believe. And the, the, it might say, like, the the source of this information is a known bullshit source. People are like, well, I, he's right, everyone else is wrong, so therefore it's fine. Uh, but I mean, the, the, the funny thing is, I bet you it wasn't blockchain they were talking about. They were probably talking about the decentralized web, which is the thing that all these people are pushing now, right? Blockchain is a minute portion of the decentralized web, a very insignificant part of it. But it seems like the, this particular yeah. article was talking about, was just trying to get people to click on it and successfully did so. And then um, just to finish off, then they got this grim picture of old Mark, poor old Mark Zetterberg. Uh, uh, we got to feel sorry. He just cannot close his mouth. It's all going quiet, you know. What, why do we need to feel sorry for him? Well, well no, no I don't. Money and power. No, but he kind of, you know, he's, um, Sally may be removed. It's all Sally's fault. She may be removed. No, she didn't make me, she suggested. Um, <laughs> you know, he got this latest uproar where he says, you know, um, Holocaust deniers, you know, they're not so bad, these people. <laughs> No, he said that they have a right to freedom of of expression. Yeah. It's it's the idiotic American understanding of freedom of expression, which is a fundamental misunderstanding of freedom. Well, it'd be the Canadian passing laws that stop people saying what they want to say. You would know that, wouldn't you, Morton? <laughs> Whatever giant shoe you've been eating, you need to stop eating it. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't read. I'm sorry, Morton. Yeah. I just couldn't read. Time to move on. Yeah, time to move on. Yeah, thank you, John. Uh, this is why I need a co-host, C. Spencer. This is why I have a co-host. <laughs> uh, 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 and you think he's going to volunteer for the job? Because no, he knows. John was John and Kim, and I've got a new co-host. It was like an indecent proposal or something. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not replying to that at all. Uh, right. WP Sitecare joins Southern Web. John, would you like to um, start us off with this one? Yeah, this continues the trend of what we've seen, you know, over the last year of a lot of higher profile WordPress companies. Sorry, folks, that was Sitecare. (laughs) (laughs) They're trying to shut you down. Um, Yeah, it is another high profile uh, in the WordPress community company being acquired by another company. And it harkens back to what we were just saying that hosting companies and larger agencies have the capital to do things like this. Now, I don't, I have no idea like why this deal came about. 
Um, but I do know, like, when, it, you know, WP Site Care to me, I've always perceived them as kind of a low-key agency. They, they, you know, sell WordPress maintenance, but I know that they've built sites for other people. And I know when an agency is acquired, what the true value is, is the book of business. And I think it's um, Southern Web also released an article on their site saying that they acquired WP Site Care. And it says that the clients of WP Site Care include Body Armory, Air Rush, and a number of television celebrities. So I, I think a lot of it was. For them, they're a web agency. They have a lot of the infrastructure to do things like graphic design, web development, you know, SEO, what, what have you. But they wanted to have a service plan to, to add uh, for their clients so they have recurring revenue. And well, I think, yeah, in a yeah. way, but also I feel my experience of agencies is that it's a lot of them, you know, you get some national ones, but they... The, they tend to be regional or based if they're in a major met, metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. A couple of agencies in Nevada, um, in northern Nevada, and basically they built a book of business working for government agencies, uh, well-financed non-profits, but they're a regional player. And maybe this particular company is similar a regional player by buying the book of business a site care that they they broaden their book of business outside their regional base what do you reckon spencer am i just talking nonsense no i i have a different spin on this and i actually have a few relationships with other people in this space i think this is the exact same metaphor to the automobile mechanics industry when computerized cars came along because it used to be that old-fashioned cars needed lots of maintenance, lots of oil changes, specialty knowledge, turn the carburetor, what is this? Oh, I'll tell you what it is later. Once computers came along, anybody who you know, can stick in that diagnostic tool can objectively see what's wrong. And so imagine all these different WordPress service providers doing one little thing or another, but now that's all become part of a, how often does a WordPress site really break anymore? I mean, the hosting is stabilized. The plugins become pretty good quality. I know people build Frankenstein monsters, but I'm saying having a business that's exclusively based upon being a car mechanic, it's an ever you know shrinking marketplace. So I think this is a survival thing. Look, we got to join together with somebody else so that the same clients we can charge them one price and do two things for because that way, like a health club, they'll have the card. They may not use the gym, but they're paying for the pool in the gym, so they still keep paying, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that's really interesting because <laughs> what it seemed to me is that you know WordPress sites need constant maintenance. It it can, much of it can be automated uh, if you don't have a you know Frankenstein-y situation, and and as long as part of what you're automating is backing things up before you update, but you know because WordPress is now such a large part of the web and you have all these people who you know maybe they're coming over from having an html site that you know you could just kind of let it sit there uh and uh, you know all of a sudden it's like well yeah you know having a wordpress site you know you need to update your wordpress site kind of as often as you need to run your dishwasher uh, you know, as every, every couple of days at least, and you know, there's that there is a lot of maintenance that people don't know about, and uh, so there, you know, we saw the 
the rise of a lot of maintenance businesses. But in terms of the acquisition, really the only, I mean, although I didn't know anything about this specific situation, the only thing that surprises me is that it wasn't a hosting company. Um, because offering maintenance with your hosting has been something that has existed in some form since people talk about managed hosting. Yeah, I partially agree with you and I partially agree with Spencer. I think actually, I think think the actual answer is in the middle ground, but I I wasn't surprised that they didn't sell to hosting because their um, their book of business, unlike WP Curve, uh, I think GoDaddy bought them um, um, because they had a much broader book of business and it was at a lower level. And also GoDaddy wanted to buy their internal processes because they want that they have implemented something similar um, for GoDaddy. You know, GoDaddy's business model is to keep them with GoDaddy, offer all these different services, keep them in a closed garden environment. Um, I think um, WP Care had, they were dealing with slightly different clientele at a slightly different price point. What do, we, what do you reckon, John? Well, I think, I think WP Curve, I think that acquisition was really to get the, the team. They had built a uh, international uh, kind of conglomerate of different, you know, team people who could do stuff at a lower rate and the I think that's part. I, I think that that's part of the GoDaddy Pro initiative, where you can like um, hire different you know people to build their site and keep them all in that. I think the WP Site Care thing. It was because I'm noticing that that Ryan Sullivan and Matthew Zach are on the Southern Web team page. Um, I think it's more to uh, have some sort of thing where WP Site Care can continue providing stuff to their clients. Uh, but Southern Web gets the, those maintenance contracts. or And so it's a win-win for everyone. I don't think the whole team came over. I can't confirm that. But I'm not seeing like some of the other team members, you know, I would need to talk to them directly. But I don't think that the whole team came over. It's kind of like Tian and Lax when they got went over to like three people. Went over to right. Yeah. yeah, I think we're going in. Yeah, well, I think it's time to go. Um, what is the time? It's time to go for our break. But before we go for our break, I want to talk about a new sponsor of the show, and that is WP Fusion. And I'll, I'm going to let Spencer. Can you can you tell the viewers why the listeners and viewers why they should go to WP Fusion and use it, Spencer? I would love to teach them that because basically all the stuff we've been talking about this evolution. WordPress has evolved to a point where you can do amazing stuff, but never before have you been able to connect your favorite CRM. And for many of the people in the WordPress ecosystem, they've never really understood what a CRM and a customer relationship management tool. There's these dozens that are fighting it out now that traditionally have been used by marketing teams and so forth. Now you can take your favorite one and whatever features you want to use from it, connect it to your favorite features from WordPress natively. And by sharing tags and custom fields, you can literally build these Lego block solutions specifically and most importantly for membership and training sites, but really for any WordPress-based business. And it's amazing because it's a very lightweight tool. It's Jack Arturo is the author. Uh, we came to them because we needed that solution. We had so many people coming from the CRM world that had WordPress sites, but those two were never talking. And now vice versa, we go to our WordPress clients and say, all these things that you used to dedicate to one plug or another to do, 
Now you don't need to worry. Pick your plugins to do their specific things, connect them to your favorite features of whatever you're using. Uh, Infusionsoft, ActiveCampaign, Drip, um, Entreport, and so forth. And now you get the best of all worlds and the user experience is much better. So you optimize how many people actually convert from prospects to customers when they go through your funnel. Yeah, they're recording it. I thought Alex Spence do. He's a much better salesperson than me. <laughs> um, but I've got even got better news, folks. Um, WP Fusion were kind enough <coughs> to offer us a great special deal, which is only available um, with WP Tonic. If you go to WP Fusion's website and use the coupon code WP Tonic, all one word, uppercase, you will get 25% off any of the plans that WP Fusion offer. And that's an exclusive deal only with WP Tonic. Um, and do it because it's a great product. We use it with our clients. It's just fantastic. We're going to go for a break, folks. We'll be back in a few moments. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's WP Tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back, folks. We've had a good discussion. Uh, good logic from the panel. Very little for me, but there we go. Uh, um, um, all right, straight in. This should be interesting. Don't feed the trolls and have other hideous lies. Do you want to start this off, Sally? Um, I suppose I could. I mean, this is something that uh, Morton brought up, I think, last week about how this is one of the uh, the things that uh, gets us in in trouble is is sort of not addressing uh, uh, the trolling responses, and and that Morton is. Uh, you know, capable of, of uh, you know, calmly re- responding to the topic uh, versus the nastiness. Um, well, I don't know internally how calmly, but, you know, that, that, that he's, he's gotten, <laughs> gotten, gotten to be good at, you know, not being triggered and keeping things on topic until the trolls just wear out and give up because, you know, nobody is, is gratifying their nastiness. Um and so I, I, this caught my eye uh, when I saw it. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I like the, the, the poll quote here that says, people have always excused online behavior that is largely inexcusable. Uh, you know, back in the days of Usenet, uh, you would hear people talking about, you know, flame wars uh, and uh, how people were attacking each other in, in ways that... Uh, you would never do in person. But then this was, you know, a lot of my early uh, online experience because I've been online since the days when practically everybody who was online was a, you know, computer science student with very few actual social skills and being in the, you know, comparatively anonymous text-only environment of the web, it would let people... uh, 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 
you know, express themselves in a, in a way that they hadn't before. And then I would, you know, occasionally meet some of these people in, in person and they would like hardly be able to look at me, never mind talk to me because um, I was a girl, uh, at which they knew. But uh, uh, yeah, the, uh, so, uh, you know, I think there's been a long, uh, they're right that there's sort of a, a long tradition of uh, acceptance of, of behavior online and, and that this is also just part of what humans do is that when there's less opportunity for you know, immediate retaliation, you know, when the person you're insulting, uh, you know, cannot punch you in the nose, uh, you, you feel freer to, to insult them. Uh, but yeah, just letting it go on is, uh, is not necessarily uh, a good thing. Uh, so I thought this was probably something we ought to bring up and that, you know, Morton is, is, likely more expert than, than I am in, in responding to it. I don't know if I'm just not uh, interesting enough, uh, but I have not faced a lot of, uh, uh, I've not faced a lot of trolling. I mean, you know, random spam, yes, but, but not too much uh, actual attacking. And yet, you know, I see it all the time. I, I used to get a lot of it on Blab. I do miss Blab. I used to get a load of French people for some reason troll me. Maybe because maybe they were French. Why is it? Uncle Spencer, is it just that people are just nasty? Is that just the fact, I, Uncle Spencer? I, I mean, I will break it down into two different types of environments. There's private communities, which are really harder to find anymore, except if you're in a private Facebook group. But in the old days, that was the whole, you know, I created a forum of some kind with some PHP code. Then there's the public ones, which I think is really what this article about is about, you know, public social networks. Dealing with trolls in private communities is really easy, and I totally disagree with this thing. With For that, you basically get the community to come in and shame the person that's acting naughty, and that's always succeeded. But that requires somebody who controls the on-off switch and can sort of rally the troops like a bunch of ants in an ant colony to attack the person who's disrupting. In the social network community that's open... It is a problem because there are those people that are aggressive and uh, you know able to handle public fistfights and those that are not. And it really doesn't seem very fair to those that are gentle people to have to, as they say, lose their place in their home. But people are, you know, it's a wild world we live in. And now people with anonymity and so forth feel that their behavior can be different in a computer space. It's just an unfortunate cultural thing we're all trying to figure out. But it's not really in a good place at the moment, I agree. But I don't also agree with this advice that, you know, peace, love, and understanding. Because look at the news every day and you'll see that what you thought was stable is somebody's, you know, uh, topping, toppling over again as if they didn't learn the lessons of the past. So we'll have to see. Yeah. What do you reckon, Moulton? So first of all, <laughs> trolls can be like to, to learn how to deal with trolls you need to actually learn about trolls like the real things not the stupid cartoon character from hollywood but the actual trolls that live in norway and sweden and denmark and finland <laughs> uh if you go and read old fairy tales from scandinavian countries about trolls you learn a bunch of interesting things for example there's a famous fairy tale that uh, about the ash lad and the, who had to uh, eat in an eating competition with the troll and the TLDR version of it is a troll wants to kill the ash lad, a little boy. 
And the boy says, um, uh, well, you can eat me, but only if you can prove that you can eat more than me. And then the Ashlad puts a backpack on, on the front of his jacket. And then he sits down with the troll and they start eating to see who can eat more. And then the troll eats a bunch and then the Ashlad puts the food into the backpack to make it look like he's eating. And then he gets to a certain point and he's like, oh my God, I'm so full. And the troll goes, oh my God, I'm so full. And then the Ashlad goes, ah, I know how to fix this. And then he takes a knife and he cuts the backpack, opens all the food falls out. And the troll goes, that's smart. I'm going to do that too. And the troll cuts his stomach open and dies. This is a fairy tale that you tell children in Norway, by the way. <laughs> like, you know, well, I maybe to know why they have bad stories. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, the thing is, all these fairy tales about trolls, for instance, things like um, the, if you trick the troll to go out in daylight, the troll turns to stone. If you trick the troll to overeat or like make them basically overdo their own thing, then they end up digging a hole for themselves and... All of these things are in a twisted way actually accurate for how to deal with internet trolls. Now, that's a kind of a side point to this whole thing. What's important about this article is it brings up this very key element that um, those of us who have been part of this conversation for a long time keep bringing up again and again. And that is that this entire notion that words are just words and doesn't really do anything is completely wrong. Not only wrong, but it's actually preventing us from moving forward. Um, so, uh, and this ties back to that misunderstanding of what freedom of speech is, right? So, uh, I wrote an article about this several years ago that's called On Freedom of Speech. You can go read it on my blog at morten.com. It's very interesting. It has a lot of stuff and it's exceptionally long just because. So, th there's this notion that freedom of speech or freedom of expression is this overbearing freedom that trumps all other freedoms, which is a misunderstanding of how this stuff works. The, the, um, human, the human rights that it comes from is actually a list of rights that have equal value. Um, and among those rights are things like, uh, let's see, I have it here. Everyone has the right to life, liberty, and security of person. No one shall be subjected to torture or cruel, inhumane, or degrading treatment or punishment. No one shall be subjected to arbitrary interference with his privacy, family, home, or correspondence, nor to attack upon his honor or reputation. Everyone has the right to be uh, to protection of the law against such interference or attacks. And in the exercise of this rights, these of his rights and freedoms, everyone shall be subjected only to such limitations as are determined by law solely for the purpose of securing due recognition and respect for the rights and freedoms of others and of meeting the just requirements of morality, public order, and the general welfare of a democratic society. All these things are at equal value to the freedom of expression. And what they say is, you can express yourself as much as you want unless you infringe on other people's other rights in the process, right? So what happens when you, if you're shaking your head at this, Jonathan, you need to actually go read it. <laughs> So what happens is, and you're not even an American, right? So, I mean, so here's ignorant of, of, of the Constitution, but uh, you, yeah. you, you'd expect you as a Brit to actually know I'll more. My legal advisor, that's just why I brought my legal advisor. On so here's, here's how this works. Here's how this works. If like, if I am uh, in a conversation with someone uh, and I use 
uh, an attack on that person specifically to change their status in the conversation. For instance, I'm talking to you and instead of saying, I disagree with you because these are the reasons I disagree with you, I say, I disagree with you, so I'm going to come to your house and burn it down. Yeah. You are know that you're changing the status of your conversational partner from, the, from a conversational partner to a subject of potential harm, right? And the thing is, you, the person you're talking to cannot actually verifiably know whether or not what you're saying is a real threat or if it's just empty words, right? The best example I can give you is uh, on So You Think You Can Dance, one of the best shows on television, several years ago, there was a performance and one of the hosts said to the performer, so like a 50-year-old man, no, a 40-year-old woman said to an 18-year-old boy, what the hell? I'm going to stab you in the eye, right? And it's like, in the context of that conversation, when you watch it, you go, that actually makes sense because dancers say a lot of weird things when they're like super excited about how all the people do it. Like, wow, I'm going to kill you over this. Like, right. But if you take that out of the context, like you are right now, you're like, what the hell? That is the most bizarre thing you could possibly say, right? On the internet, that is exactly what happens every time you comment on something. You are commenting completely out of context. No one understands the relationship you have with the other person. And especially when you're actually talking to someone you don't know. So what you're doing by saying trashy things about other people or vocalizing things that just words like actual threats of assault or similar is you're changing the status of the other person, changing their right to freedom and a security of person. And therefore, it's a real problem. Now, in other countries, this is actually respected. The difference is in the United States, you put the freedom of expression above everything else, and then it becomes an issue. Like in Canada, we had a huge uh, case about this where some guy, some rapper wrote like a poem raw song rap thing that sounded like an assault on a person. Um, and he actually won that case, but that case then changed the law in Canada because they realized we need to be more specific about what this means. If the person you are talking to cannot verifiably say whether or not this is a real threat or not, then it becomes an actual assault because you are changing the status of the person to someone who is a potential future. Right, I'm going to need to something. be... Well, you've made your point. I'm going to throw it over to Spencer. You know, Spencer, uh, what do you think about this? Because fundamentally... I think, obviously, in Britain and America, if you say things that will cause a breach of the peace, this is a kind of English term, Spence, if you say things in print or online that will encourage people to break the peace, there are consequences that might come your way. But fundamentally, as an adult, if you're on a public forum like Facebook and that, now my position is a bit like what Churchill said, you know, if you if you can't handle hecklers and trolls, you shouldn't be a bloody politician. And um, you know, I find the American the Americans don't like um, people that heckle them. In Britain, it's a sign how you heck how you handle the hecklers is a sign of your proficiency. Mm-hmm. What do you I reckon, think, Spence? Uh, well, there's been a lot of case law now that in the last couple of years have recognized the fact that. In, in traditional American law, I used to have a rule that said you can say a lot of things publicly, but you can't do something much like Morton is alluding to that is dangerous. You can't shout fire in a closed movie theater. If somebody gets hurt from that, you're liable. So what they've done lately is a lot of the local laws have started to evolve and even on the national level. And it's a dangerous mix because you don't want to go too far. But it basically said, look, you can't use the excuse of it being on a public social forum to say and do things that 
change somebody's perspective of whether you're being serious or not, or cause them to many cases, there've been, you know, teenagers that have committed suicide because of, you know, heckling and other things, or people have reacted in an egregious way, right? If you feel threatened online and then you go over to the other person's house in a defensive move and attack them first, who's responsible? Was it the heckler or the hecklee? And so there have to be adaptations to law to recognize that communication in real world is really not that much different anymore or vice versa than communicating on a written forum or on a, a video conference or, or something else. But, you know, I like to follow those uh, science fiction movies. This is completely aside, but I like those science fiction movies where humanity evolves through a lot of this nonsense and we come out the other side better for it versus the dystopian futures. It really can go either way because a lot of the politics as of late to me are a prelude to us either coming out on top or going the other direction. And this is one example of it because the friendly little, you know, coders of the 1970s became the first online entrepreneurs of the 90s, became the like everybody does a land grip of the 2000s. And now we're at the point where all the technology is democratized. What we do with it or not is going to be a social issue, like a, a human issue. And don't even get me started with what happens with AI and robots. Because if you watch some of those Boston Dynamic videos with those dog robots that open doors and climb walls and get in your car and kill you while you're sleeping, I start thinking like, holy mackerel, (laughs) what could go wrong? So our behavior is going to be the solution here, Uh, whether it's socially or politically, I don't know. But I, I do agree with most of Morton's points because what if you're just a nice person and you're not equipped to fight back. I mean, is you're suddenly not welcome to use the tool that everybody else uses because there's a bully on there? That's nonsense. Yeah. Well, and, and I think this, uh, it ties into our, our article about bad technology in, in, in a way is, is that, you know, to say that the solution to a toxic environment is that uh, you should get tougher versus we should make the environment less toxic uh, is really, um, it, it, it is backwards. Uh, and that, sure, having people, you should expect that people will criticize you and disagree with you if you are a politician or a public figure. Uh, but you should not find it acceptable if they're making personal attacks that have nothing to do with your, uh, you know, what you are doing as a politician, uh, if people are making death threats. If, if Of course. Uh, I want to make, make one thing clear. Obviously, with Facebook, you can ban anybody from your thread. With Twitter, now, obviously, if, if somebody's making, you know, um, sexist or racist threats to you or any kind of threat, you should be able to go to Twitter and they, sh- as a responsible body, and they've They've received an enormous amount of criticism. I, I don't know if they're changing their ways. But the, this individual, one of the problems with the Twitter is they just set up another account. I don't know. But they're, um, they should be banned because yeah. they're you know awesome. Really I'm going to bring something. Some, I want to, and I'm sorry to cut everybody yeah, off, sure. here, but I want to jump in. There's one point in this article that, that uh, hasn't been brought up where it says platforms like Facebook and Twitter, they were founded by techno-libertarians who basically feel that uh, everybody should have the right to, to say every, anything and, you know, caring about whether you know, those messages are positive or negative. That's something that they can't even wrap their head around. Uh, and there is an example of another community where 
uh, it said everybody complimented us on the fact that we had all the comments in this community were like so awesome and thoughtful and deep. And it's because we had a zero tolerance policy. Now, what Twitter is facing right now, here's the thing. They are a publicly shared company. They have to make money. They've only recently had a profitable quarter and we can, and it's, you know, a lot of it's got to do with controversy. Now in the countries of France and Germany, they have uh, like neo-Nazi accounts and things like that already blocked. Why do they not implement it in America or any of the other like Western countries? They obviously know how to do it. It's they choose not to do it. And that's why Jack Dorsey is being criticized so openly. Mm-hmm. And that it's when it's all about money and it's not about the quality of the platform and Facebook is facing this too and why Zuckerberg is under fire. And ultimately, I do think that's why Facebook and Twitter will end up dying or fading into obsolescence like MySpace or previous things did is because like the troll in the Scandinavian fairy tale, they've slit their own stomach. Yeah. There's something really important here. The, you, you described a ideal scenario where, where uh, you know, someone puts something onto the internet, they immediately get a ton of feedback that's like, you know, I'm going to come to your house and I know where you live and all that kind of stuff. And then the platform go, does the rational thing, which is once that person reports them, the accounts that attack them go away. What actually happens is the person who reports the accounts gets banned. Yeah, I know. And this happens a lot that's because... Crazy. Because, because the platform, like the trolls know this. What they do is they will attack someone they don't like and then they'll also report them at the same time, right? So instead of one person going, hey, there are these 10,000 people attacking me, all those 10,000 people are saying, hey, that person is attacking me or doing something wrong and then that person ends up being banned. And this notion that Winston, Winston Churchill example you gave is a complete non sequitur here because if like Winston Churchill was a head of state and he was talking about being in politics, we are talking about a person going onto the internet and voicing their opinion on cats and then getting 10,000 people going after them and saying, die, 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 I know where you live, right? Well, I think, that, I think, that, I think that example is ridiculous. Actually. You do? Yeah, I can I don't, give I don't you think, precise think... examples like this. Hundreds and thousands of yeah. Like this is a normal thing that happens on the internet. Talking about cats getting death breaks. About anything. Once you've once you become the target of someone, they just pile on and pile on and pile on and deliberately move you off the internet. They will like follow you through every social channel you have, literally harass you to the point where you stop using the internet altogether to silence your voice. So what they're doing is effectively using the misunderstood concept of freedom of speech to quell the freedom of speech of other people they don't agree with, right? And in the process, they're also then making it impossible for those people to have freedom and liberty and justice. So the entire concept here is much more complicated than you think it is. And it is not incumbent on the user to be able to have a thick enough skin to endure this kind of abuse online. This is a systemic I never said that, actually, Bolton. Winston Churchill said, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen, which is the same thing. Well, well, I was kind of relating it to uh, somebody like myself or Spencer or yourself that obviously chooses to market themselves 
and to be out there. Um, obviously, but on the other hand, if somebody makes, um, you know, if somebody wants to make a death threat, they can go and um, I'll give them the address of my house and we can have a meeting. Good luck to them. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> I've handled worse. Uh, um, but uh, um, not everyone's equipped to do that. Yeah, I've got, yeah, I live in Nevada. I'm armed and dangerous. And I'm <laughs> <ready>. <laughs> this is going very bad places. You're not going to get less hate mail. From- <laughs> <laughs> Good luck to you from the left or right. Uh, um, I've got an answer for you. If you want to come look for a trouble, I'll supply it. Uh, um, basically, uh, um, yeah. But obviously, if somebody knows, if somebody is making, obviously, is mentally ill or obviously is making certain threats to you, my other, my other slight worry with this position, Morton, is um, is um, banning these people from online, um, making laws and banning them does not change them. They're 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 still filled with their hatred and their paranoia. Mm-hmm. It just um, they it find just another not, target. It's just uh. not, it's just not there. You think. You know, you think it, their attitude, their attitudes have gone away. They're, no, you you prevent them from radicalizing other people. You prevent them from normal normalizing abuse as a valid co- method of discourse. You prevent them from doing things like running for office because they can't <laughs> because they lose their platform. You basically give them nowhere to shout. The whole idea is. If you take away their platform, they have no ability to actually spread the hatred because hatred is toxic and it is uh, infectious. So people love to hook on to anger. They very easily absorb that anger and then they get used to using it themselves and it just keeps getting worse. So by not doing it, you're perpetuating it. And you're going to get to the slippery slope argument. The problem is the slippery slope argument only works if you're at the top of the hill. We're at the bottom of the slope right now. We need to slip up the slope into something rational. Now, like we're at the where, bottom where I, I just actual to... personal attacks has become the standard way of doing politics. And well, doing and, politics. And, and I want to know, Jonathan, what exactly is going to change these people? Nothing. Only, only spiritual and maybe <laughs> some... No, don't laugh. Yoga? Uh, no, I didn't mean No, that. but I, I mean... mean this this is, I, is, I do object to you laughing at as... The only thing that truly changes somebody is themselves and their, you know, whatever God they pray to. But the idea, the the idea that, um, well, this is what the fundamental difference between you and me and you, Morton, is that um, you see outside forces that corrupt and change people. I think for whatever, whatever was in that individual's personal life and the way they see life and things, they are already corrupted and the outside forces only corrupt them even more. You know, if, you, if you've got hatred in your heart and you just want to pick on a, a minority group, it's not outside that's corrupted you. The rot's come from the inside and rotted you out. That, that's one that you think the rot comes from the outside and rots the individual. I say the rot was already there. Did I make I, sense? I'm not, I'm not sure that that, that um, uh, uh, invalidates anything Morton says because I, I, I think what Morton is saying is, um, you know, uh, these people start out with some motivation to make this kind of, of, of attack. And if you allow it and encourage it, 
they will do it more. And maybe other people who have similar sorts of thoughts but wouldn't have gone that far are then encouraged to, to do it more. And we can at least not encourage them and not tolerate it. They're still going to have to find, if they're going to find a way to be less unhappy people uh, and, and you know, not have the, the motive to, to hurt others in that way. Yeah, that's going to have to come from somewhere else. That isn't a thing that, you know, Twitter or Facebook or, or anybody else, uh, you know, can, can do for them. They're going to have, they, they have to find a way to it. But, you know, part of the re- thing that brings people to, you know, spiritual crises or, or, or personal transformations is that they experience consequences out in their lives of, of people saying, hey, this is not acceptable behavior. Uh, and they get in trouble and then maybe they stop and say, hmm, possibly I should be doing something different with my life and, and need some kind of help. Yeah, sure. Let's go. Let's get onto the onto the next yes, subject. It's, it's much safer. Link building. Uh, I'm, I'm, I feel so much safer, much more happier going on to this link building. The citizens field guide. What do you reckon, John? Yeah. So, you know, Google has said that that the most important things in in getting your SEO up there are uh, content and links yeah. and. It's really weird because in the SEO community, I, I'm seeing like some people that are at least like outwardly, they, you know, say or teach like, the, the, oh, don't build links. Don't, don't do that. It's, it's really weird because I, I don't think that Google's ever going to go away from using links yeah, okay. as a ranking signal because, uh, you know, it's basically a sign of how big your brand is. Um, so th- this is a pretty good article. I mean, this is a r- really good thing. I mean, it's basically saying the more popular a website is, the, the better the information on it, the more people are likely going to link to it. And it's why Wikipedia has so many links or, you know, uh, large, uh, informational sites have a lot of links coming into them. Um, so that, you know, building links is an important thing to do with SEO. A lot of people don't know how to do it once they get beyond, um, you know, a couple links. Now, everybody here is, you know, fairly popular to uh, a degree. And so you, we all get emails where it's like, hey, I noticed you have this article. Will you like link to my site over here? We wrote an article over here. Or, hey, we have this infographic, you know, hey, will you link to it? I get Every the, single delete, delete, day. Delete, yep. delete. I don't have a lot of readers. I yep. want to guest post on your blog and put a lot of links to all these things on delete. it. Yes. Delete. Have delete. you read my blog? <laughs> Do yes. you really want to guest post on it? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So basically, yeah, it's, it, links are important. Links do matter and the context matters. If you get a link from a site that's, uh, you know, like USA Today or, you know, uh, this whole thing that, that we discussed a couple of weeks ago with uh, people got busted, like selling links to clients on uh, entrepreneur.com and, you know, all these other sites. For- I just want to ask John, yeah. Um, yeah. these emails that we, you know, some of yeah. us get, I get a lot of them you just described. They must, they must work to, you know, it, there's two ways of doing this. I, I, I think if you write an article and you research some of the other people that the fault leaders, and then you read 
their articles and then you send them a personal email saying, I read your article. These, this was the main point that really influenced me. And I decided to write my own article and um, here's the link and here's the main thing that I wrote about based on how I wrote, read your article. I think they might actually read it and they might actually decide to link to your article. Yeah. But they they might if they if they haven't become so disillusioned that that they simply delete it before they read it. But you know, most yeah, most of these things obviously come from people who have not uh, read your uh, blog. They're just and it's like any other kind of spam. If you send it to a lot of, enough people, having a very small percentage respond is still going to have yeah. some effect for you. Yeah, I just want to so, ask. I just want to ask. Sorry, can I just ask Spencer a question first, Moulton? Um See, this is the only thing about automation, Spencer. How, you know, we just, you know, like I just said, I get inundated some weeks, some weeks I don't, but other weeks I, I seem to get about 20 of these emails saying, how can you use automation where you don't get the effect we've just described of these people sending you emails that you just don't want to get, really? Yeah, I mean, I find this interesting because <clears throat> there's two things that I feel are different about the way we help people or teach people how to get more transactional results, you know, better conversions. First of all, is that old fashioned blanketing of just pouring all the ping pong balls into one thing that hits everybody the same is dead. That's the whole point. So whether it be that you're sending the email or you're just trying to get people to, you know, send these zombie links to, you know, this article, that article, who cares? So many people will just answer with, look, I have a thousand things a day that are hitting me up. I can't be bothered. So it's a custom journey. Marketing automation today is about only seeing things that relate exactly to what you're feeling or doing at the moment. I know we used the other day on your show, the Minority Report movie, which scary though it may be, is the thing you're really shooting for is that a user A's journey through your marketing experience is different than user B's. This one sees only the things relative to their ideas, and this one sees only to theirs. Second thing I'm going to say is a little more controversial, and I don't mean disrespect to SEO or John's particular thoughts on this, but I don't actually recommend anybody, but anybody, worry about SEO in any way. And when it comes to link building, I think the link building value today is find somebody who has a a relationship to what your clients find interesting participate with them in some mutually beneficial way so that they refer back to you. Like the old fashioned days of, hey, do you know a good dentist or a good barber? Yeah, I know this guy or this girl. And so go to them. That's different than just a published blog that has a bunch of links. I honestly know how I consume and how my clients consume. I don't know anybody in 2018 that is treating the web experience like we did even five years ago because we're just saturated all day long, 24 hours a day. So just Links on pages and blogs, I don't even know if that's worthwhile. Trying to get ranked on Google on page one, unless you've got a couple hundred thousand dollars to spend, why even bother? It's more efficient to just use some kind of direct to a group of people like a fishing hole, talk to the owner of the fishing hole, get in front of that audience in some way that actually is beneficial to them, and they will come to you. A number of them will bite on it. Way more efficient use of your time and energy to build a small business online than trying to get ranked on, you know, Google page one from traditional link building. Yeah. What do you reckon, Moulton? Uh, let me play stupid for a second. We're still talking about 
getting other people to link to your content, right? That's basically what link building is. I think so, yeah. Yeah. So like the old classic blog, mm. blog roll strategy. So um, I'm the, old man. The uh, <laughs> Google has this, or Google and all the other search engines. So basically, Google has this monumental challenge of trying to figure out what is authoritative content. Um, meaning, when someone uh, when someone asks for something like, "What is the correct way to shave my cat?" Then you have to be like, there are crazy YouTube videos of people who only shave the tail of the cat. And then there's people who only like give the mohawks and stuff like that. And then you need to know which is the correct best way of doing it. And the only way that you, uh, Google can figure that out is by going to uh, look at where are people linking to, right? If everyone is linking to this one particular video or this one particular article, then that probably has more value. This is a, it's a pretty tenuous way of measuring it, but it's a way of measuring it. So what they've been doing is going on to all these websites and saying like, where do you link to? Like if you have high authority and you link to this other thing, then there's a good chance that that has good content too, right? So it's popularity contests put into like machine learning type thing. Um, and of course, people will then try to game it by saying, can I jam links into your uh, content? Which is why um, a lot of people will put comments onto blog posts that just have links in them, which is why WordPress is starting to put no follow on all of these links so that they don't become, uh, the search engines don't follow them and all that kind of stuff. But I think, uh, I, I totally agree with Spencer. This whole chase for SEO at this point is kind of meaningless because like I was, yesterday I was looking for um, to find dentists in my area. And when you search on Google, you get a bunch of hits, both in the map and you get a bunch of hits. And all the top hits are advertisements, it's paid links. So that's what you need to compete against. Not, you know, you need to pay more money than those people. And it's not a lot of money. It's just enough to get higher ranking than the previous person, or at least get on that advertising list. If you want to get noticed through Google, do that. Then you have to ask yourself, how many people are really using the yellow pages of the internet to find content anymore. I mean, where do you go to find a dentist? You go on Twitter or Facebook or somewhere else and you go ask your friends before you go on Google. The Google part is more like, I want to see exactly how many are in this region because I want to see how bad their websites are, right? Which is what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, but, isn't it, but there's a slight contradiction there, isn't there, Malta? Because if that was totally true, they, they you wouldn't get these dentists not spending an enormous amount, but... I, I have done some business with, and I know the profitability of some dentist practices, um, and uh, um, they spend a fair bit of money on online advertising. Yeah, exactly, they, on advertising. We, we did an experiment where we took... Um, we took yeah, a that's what I mean. for, there must be people searching that don't ask their friends on their social media things because they yes. wouldn't spend that money, would they? And it's one of many things, right? But what, what I'm saying is, the SEO part of it, as long as you follow web standards and build proper content and do all that stuff, what else you can do to improve your SEO is very limited, especially because like link building is going to die as a metric entirely because it's becoming meaningless because people are just piling links into everything. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of dark, dark SEO stuff going on where people set up horrible websites and then link to their competitor from the horrible website to downrank their the website they're targeting right and google is well aware of this stuff 
I mean, it's not like no. Google's like, oh, people are abusing our system. Uh, well, yes, it's, it's, it's not as though Google hires stupid people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll address a couple of things there really quick. Yes, um, Google is there to make money. They make money off of AdWords. That's how they built their entire empire. So, yeah, if I would say definitely, like if you want to get max visibility, then yeah, do AdWords as well. But there are a lot of people that don't click on the ad just out of principle. In fact, you know, organic SEO still drives more traffic than paid ads. Uh, and what you're describing with the the dentists and stuff like that, usually what ranks number one or two would be something like Yelp. So you're going to want to be there as well. That's something we call barnacle SEO, where you're not only in the organic result. Maybe you're in the map if you know you're close to the person searching, but you want to be on something like Yelp where you have a lot of good ratings. Uh, it, it, like you said, it's one of many channels, but it is important because you don't want to just be renting a spot on that page. You'd like to be there, you know, organically. And link building, I, I totally get what you're saying too. Negative SEO, a, a lot of that sometimes that works, sometimes that actually backfires. It actually ends up helping your competitor. Um, there we go. Yeah, I think we're getting to nine forty-four. I think we're not going to go yeah. to the story. I think we're going to wrap it up yeah. now. I've had an interesting chat here. The old man of the web, uh, um, Spencer. How pet? How can you, you're looking puzzled or tired? I'm, very t- I'm enjoying this whole experience. I, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm it's organized new- chaos, definitely. Yeah. Uh, heavier on the chaos. But you said you listened to it. So I do. I do. It's different. Oh, you know what you're going to get. Without talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's to be, I was going to say something. No, I don't. So. All right. Uh, uh, so, Spencer, how can people find out more about your wise words and what you are up to, Spencer? Uh, we're at WPLaunchify.com or email help at WPLaunchify.com. And are you, are you blogging or doing videos quite regularly? You know, because, you know, my previous business was all about that, but the world has changed. So what we do create is a lot of content and videos are still as powerful as ever, but they're very selectively placed. We don't believe for even a second that even with six or seven or 10,000 followers that putting a video on YouTube is good for anything when there's a kid next door that has 2 million followers. What happens is if you make good content and you give it out to people where their little fishing holes exist, it's very effective. So that's the strategy that we follow because there's so many easier ways today to actually build a small business with that small audience, you know, your thousand true fans. So why not just go with that? Because you don't have to compete with a hundred million people anymore. You don't have to be number one on Google's you know, front page or anything. You just need to get enough people that pay you for what you do in an efficient manner. And it's that's okay too. I mean, I actually like the way it is now. It's like a small community times you know six billion people. Everybody has their own little. Well, bubble. so basically, what you're saying is, you've got to find your niche. You find a niche. You find a group of people that that resonates with. They all have to have a pain point that you solve. You become the authoritative figure of that small little bubble of people, and you'll never go hungry. And it's okay that you don't own all of the web because you don't need to. You just need your little you know group of people. David, okay. That was all right. Um, Sally, 
How can people find out about you and what you're up to? You can find me at WPFangirl.com. You can find the East Bay WordPress meetup at EastBayWP.com. Uh, I am at Sally Getch on Twitter. And basically, if you can spell my name, you will find me. I am unique in Google. And Malton, how can people find out what you're up to and what you're doing? Uh, you can hear me rant about stuff on Twitter at Morton, because that's my name. That's M-O-R and then the number 10. Um, you can uh, watch my courses on uh, LinkedIn Learning. If you go to LinkedIn and you click on the Learning button up in the top right-hand corner, you'll see the LinkedIn Learning. And I very rarely but occasionally post content on YouTube uh, I posted a video up yesterday about how I deal with dyslexia using technology, which uh, could be interesting for one or two people and probably it's not for the rest of us, but, you know, whatever. Oh, okay. Link building. <laughs> SEO. So, you don't, so you're, not, you're not being going to Jordan Peterson's website and commenting on him, on him then, have you? <sighs> What's the point? You just made John <laughs> sick. <laughs> uh, but uh, I just, I just want to say, like, to... to uh, I, I, I miss that because I don't think I know who Jordan Peterson is. Apropos but... nothing. The reason why I was laughing earlier while Spencer was talking about something very serious was because someone sent me a link on the internet. <laughs> to an article about <laughs> so you know the sarcophagus that they found uh, I, I saw the article you posted and the then link yes. someone, that, someone, that is one of those God help humanity kind they, of they found a sarcophagus in Egypt they opened it it was full of a red liquid and then of course there's now a petition on the internet for people to be allowed to drink the liquid from the sarcophagus because that's what the internet is for so that's why I was laughing while you were talking about serious things, Spencer. Right, there we go. Right. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, John, John, how can people find out about you and what you're doing? Definitely. You can find me at my website, which is Lockdown SEO. And also come and check out my YouTube channel. Uh, I'm posting videos on SEO and I'm taking questions. If you have a question, I would love to answer it. I think we've posted six videos already in July. So that's a pretty brisk pace. That's about what you should expect. Come check it out. Yeah. And um, if you really want to support the show, folks, go to iTunes and leave us a review on the Wednesday and the Friday show with your comments, your trolling comments, whatever you want to put on there. I read it. I won't be offended, good or negative. Getting feedback is great from our listeners and viewers. And we'll be back next week with another great panel and another great discussion. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.